Good morning. I, uh, I want you to know that, that I am very excited to preach God's Word this morning, and I also want you to know that it was with much fear and trembling that I asked for God to guide me and to help me and, and to strengthen me for, for this task. So I just want to thank uh, all of you that have prayed for me this week. Uh, I could definitely see God's hand in, in guiding me as I, as I thought about what to preach. I I'd considered preaching Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And uh, as the week went along, I, I came to the realization that, that really it, it all goes together. So I'm, I'm preaching Colossians 3, 1 to 17, which is a lot of verses, and, and therefore there may be some things that I skip over. Uh, hopefully I cover the things that are most important. Um, yeah, so let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I, I, I just pray that you would use your word to strengthen, to challenge, to convict, and to encourage us in all that is good and right, and that we would be enabled by your grace to live lives that would bring you much glory. Ask it in Jesus' name. All right, so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start off there. And, and I want to I start off by just simply reading to you the Word of God. Um, so Colossians 3, uh, 1 to 17 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, including anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have... Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. So put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together, in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And let me just say that what a privilege it is to, to preach the word of God and to just simply read it. So, uh, so, so if you can uh, um, um, turn with me. Well, let me, let me just say this. Uh, when, when I was originally thinking about doing verses 1 to 4, uh, as I mentioned, I, I just thought, you know, it really all needs to, to come together. And so I didn't want to isolate verses 1 to 4. And um, it's, it was interesting to me because sometimes we can read things like this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And somehow, some way, we can think that we don't need to, as it says farther down, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Ironically, we can also try to put to death what is earthly in us without setting our minds on the things that are above. Either way, Either way, we're, we're missing the point that in order to put to death what is earthly in us, we, we need to think about the things that are above. And in order to set our minds on things above, we need to put to death what is earthly in us. Um, it all goes together. It all goes together. So let's look more closely now at this passage that we just read together. Uh, Colossians 3.1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So I have a question. How do we seek the things that are above where Christ is? Well, one way is to just simply read about them, right? So this morning, we're going to do a little bit of reading together. If you could turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. We're going to read Revelation 21, 1 through 8. And this, I think, helps us to set our minds on things above. Revelation 21, verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then just let that picture emanate in your mind how a woman takes all kinds of care. I don't know how many hours they take to get ready for a wedding. More more than I can imagine. But but when they're done, they look beautiful. They look beautiful. So, so, you know, the whole point of this passage is for us to see the beauty of what we're reading. Uh, so, a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them 
as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So hopefully we can see that it's, it's good for us to set our minds on things that are above. I want to continue reading in Revelation. We're going to go to uh, Revelation 21, verses 9 to 11. And uh, it says, Then came one of the seven angels, who had one of the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Now we could continue reading a whole lot more, but, but again, the, the point is the beauty, the beauty of the city the place where, in your handout, the place where God dwells with his people. So let's skip to Revelation uh, chapter 21, verses 22 to 23. It says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. Once again, we're meant to see the beauty of this city, the place where God dwells. We're going to skip ahead to one more section here. Actually, maybe two more sections in Revelation. But Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. And and hopefully it just gets more and more beautiful as we get into the book of Revelation. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. You know, I remember when Renee, my wife, was about, about to die, and the doctor came into the hospital room, and he explained to her that she was about to die. And my wife had this big smile come over her face. I mean, it was, I, I can still picture it. And, and, and the doctor, 
he looked at her and, and he scratched his head and he looked down at his feet and he looks at her and he says, did you just understand what I told you? And Renee smiled. And what she said was, she said, yeah, you just told me that I'm going to go to be with Jesus. So she was, she was thinking about one day going to heaven and being with Christ and seeing him face to face with his name on her forehead. I'm going to skip maybe that last, oh no. And night will be no more. They will not need the light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. You know, once again, we see the beauty of this place where we're dwelling with God and in your handout face to face and reigning with him forever and ever. You know, these are the things that, that we're supposed to set our minds on. These are the things that are above. Finally, I'm, I'm going to read just a couple more verses out of Revelation 22, verses 12 to 15, where Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Here's a reminder in your handout that we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the day when the Lord returns. We need to be setting our minds on the things that are above, the things of God. Yeah. Because setting our minds on the things above, the things of God, it changes, in your handout, it, it changes our thinking. You know, I, I, I love this example in Matthew. If you turn with me to Matthew 16, 21 to 23, this is a perfect example of, of how our thinking can be so skewed. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Can, can, you, see? can you see how easy it is for us to set our minds on earthly things, things that in your handout, things that seem reasonable to us? You know, it seemed reasonable to Peter that Jesus shouldn't have to suffer. Yeah. But the whole point of seeking the things that are above is to change our thinking and to bring it into alignment with God's ways and the reality that his ways are above our ways and that his ways are far better than our ways. So let's go back to Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
You know, it's interesting to me, uh, for Paul, to be in Christ was everything. It was, it was everything to him. Uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Is, is this how we think? <laughs> let, let me ask you a question. I, I thought about this myself a little bit. So I, I thought well, this would be good for you to think about a little bit. Uh, what good would it be? And I want you to consider this. What good would it be if you had the best house, you had the best car, you had the best clothes, you had the best food, and you had the best of whatever you want to fill in the blank? What good would any of that be if you did not have Christ? See, all, all those other things that I mentioned, and anything, anything that you could think of, anything that your eyes could see is in your handout. It's, it's all temporary. It's all temporary, and because it's temporary, one day, one day it won't exist anymore. So one day it will be of no value. You know, th- think about that for a moment. Think about, think about the reality that everything that you can see with your eyes, wherever you go on this earth, is temporary. One day it won't exist. Yeah. But the things that are unseen, those things are eternal. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, it's interesting to me, Paul not only wanted to be with Christ, but Paul wanted to be like Christ. And, and I'm going to read out of uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, because he puts it in a way that's good for us to hear it. He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. You know, I, I think... I think sometimes that we all want to be with Christ, but not necessarily like Christ. And, and the reason for this is that we, we don't like suffering. Uh, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know for me, uh, I want to be with Christ. And in one way, I want to be like Christ. But in another way, I really don't know if I want to be like Christ. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And uh, uh, we're going to get to that struggle in a little bit, but, but uh, yeah. 
Philippians chapter uh, 3, verses 12 to 14, and, and I appreciate how the, the Bible has a, a, a realness to it. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and, and I think this is so important, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, what's the prize? What was what, he wrestling and struggling with so hard to win? You know, the, the prize in your handout is it's to be with Christ in glory. In glory. You know, uh, as Colossians 3, 4 puts it, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So let's just take a moment and try and comprehend what it means to be with Christ in glory. Uh, It's a beautiful thought. Can you even imagine what it would be like to be with Christ in his kingdom, in our glorified and perfected state? Can you imagine? Try to imagine that. I I don't think you can. Uh, There are some verses here, though, that I'd like to read to us that that will give us an idea. Uh, But keep in mind that that even as we read these verses, we, we really don't fully comprehend it. We can only have an idea of what this would be like. So Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4 say, and by the way, I'm skipping around here a little bit in Revelation just to draw out the wonder of being with Christ in glory. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Skipping now to 21, verse 9 to 11. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Revelation twenty-one twenty-one: The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Revelation 22, 3 to 5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will not need the light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Okay, so I've spent a lot of time a lot of time this morning talking about setting our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that's because this is, in your handout, this is essential. This is essential to putting to death what is earthly in you 
and enabling you to put on the things that God desires. Apart from that, you cannot do it. So I have one more question. Actually, I might have a couple more. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't looked at my notes. But I have one more question for us. What is it that you are to put to death? And the answer is everything that is earthly in you or me. Yeah. And we're given some examples. Here in this passage, we're given some examples. It's not all-inclusive, but we're given some examples of the things that we are to put to death. So if you go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So don't be so judgmental of the people who are living in them now who need Christ. But now you must put them all away, including anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So let's take a closer look at item number one on the list, which is probably the most embarrassing, awkward one to talk about, but it's sexual immorality. And just so that we're all 100% clear, sexual immorality is, in your handout, any sexual activity outside of the context of marriage. That's what it is. It's, It's pretty simple. Where marriage is defined between one man and one woman, we have to qualify that in our world today. But sexual immorality also includes, as as Timothy mentioned in his prayer, it includes our thoughts. So to look at someone that we're not married to and have lustful thoughts, that's sexual immorality. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole list here. That's not my point today. Um, and most of the things that are on the list, they're, they're pretty much self-explanatory. But it's amazing to me how sometimes we can justify our sin. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely amazing to me how, how we as humans can do that. Uh, but I do want to read an article to us from, from our Articles of Faith that I really honestly believe will help us to put to death everything that is earthly in us. So it it comes from the the section in our Articles of Faith that's titled Salvation, Election, and Assurance. And the part uh, that that I'm not going to read to you, uh, but it's important, it's been talking about salvation. And so in light of salvation, it it says this now. It says, considering this precious and magnificent promise, the promise of salvation... All professing believers must be diligent to add to their faith such qualities as moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, in order that they might make certain that God has called and chosen them. Assurance that a person is one of the elect and has eternal life comes from a life that is committed to the objective truth of the gospel and that is directed and empowered by the Spirit. In light of these truths, the New Testament warns against 
falling away from the objective content of the gospel. And it warns against falling into, keyword, a lifestyle of sin, either of which places a person in danger of eternal destruction. This is serious stuff here. So then from the human perspective, every professing believer should beware lest in his proud complacency he fall away from the faith through sin and unbelief. How terrible. How terrible would that be? However, from God's sovereign perspective, a person who falls away from the objective content of the gospel was never really a believer in the first place. In the same way, God promises to keep the true believer from falling into a lifestyle of sin. So from the divine perspective, the Lord knows the Lord knows those who are his. From the human perspective, everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. You know, I, I, I really believe that that kind of thinking is the kind of thinking that needs to be going on in our minds all the time. All the time. And, and I thank God for Timothy because uh, Timothy brought some balance to our articles of faith that didn't exist before. There was a little bit too much confidence, a little bit too much resting in the idea that we are secure in Christ forever. And we are. We are secure in Christ forever. But, but we always need to be evaluating ourselves. You know, Scripture is full of self-evaluations and where are we really at with God. So, so let's not take these things lightly. Okay, so as, as we continue on in Colossians chapter 3, we see that the ultimate objective is not just to put to death what is earthly in us. That's, that's not the goal. That's necessary, but that's not the goal. The, the, the goal is to clothe ourselves with Christ-likeness. That's, that's the goal, to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be fit so that one day we can be in his kingdom face-to-face with him. As it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You know, I was talking to someone last night, and I asked them, have you ever heard the good news of the gospel? And, and they looked at me, and, I, and, and they, said, they said, no, I really haven't. And this is an old person, older than me. And, uh, and I, w- I was shocked. I was like, oh, this is a wonderful opportunity, you know. So, so we had a discussion on, on why it was good news that, that Jesus was beaten, whipped, mocked, and crucified on a cross. And I thought, surely, after this discussion, this person would really understand the good news. And you know what his comment was to me? He looked at me. What did he say? He looked at me, and, and he said uh, something to the effect that he acknowledged all that I just said, but it was crystal clear that he still, he still didn't get it. He still didn't get the good news of the gospel. And then it was crystal clear to me that that, that God's the only one that can turn that light on. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, can, I can share the gospel, but I can't turn the light on. I can't make the person see. 
Um, all right, I forgot where I was here. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about forgiveness. And, and the reason I was talking about it is, is later on, as we were talking some more, it, it became clear to me that something had happened in his life, and he had, he had a bitterness in him where, where it was impossible for him to forgive this person for what they had done. And so I, I, I saw the spiritual blindness that he couldn't see the goodness of Christ and, and he, could not, he could not forgive this other person. And I thought to myself, what a blessing it is that, that we can see the goodness of the gospel. We can see the goodness of the gospel and we can see the, we can see the, the necessariness of, of being able to forgive. Okay, um, I'm going to skip a, a thing or two here, but one of the beauties about being in the kingdom, you know, as I thought about being in the kingdom, one of the most beautiful thoughts to me is that, is that everyone else in the kingdom is going to have Christ-likeness. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a world where, where you're surrounded by Christ-likeness? What a beautiful thought. But for now... For now, we're all works in progress. We are not Christ-like yet. And so we're always battling our human weakness, aren't we? we you know, I, 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 um, I, I, used to, I used to I used to not understand Romans chapter 7 very well, and I'm, I think I understand it now. I hope I do. Uh, but Paul himself talked about the, the battle, the struggle with the flesh. And I'm just going to read to us Romans seven fifteen to 25. It says, and it's a tongue twister, so I hope I don't get it wrong. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Okay, I hope I, I hope I, I think I hope I understand this right. But I think, I think that the point of that whole discussion there is to help us to see that there is a battle that is for real that is going on with our very own flesh. And at times, it seems, in your handout, it seems impossible for us to win this battle. But, quote, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we, we now do have the power through Christ's death 
resurrection and ascension, we have the power to win this battle. So in one sense, the battle's already been won. And yet, in another very real sense, we are engaged in a war with our own flesh. And this war requires us to set our minds on things that are above and not on things that are below, and to put to death what is earthly in us and to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Colossians three twelve to 14 puts it, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You know, by the way, uh, if you don't set your mind on things above, you're not going to have a compassionate heart. You may think you have a compassionate heart, but you're not going to have a compassionate heart. You're not going to be full of kindness. You're not going to ha- be humble. You're not going to be meek, and you're not going to be patient, and you're not going to bear with one another in love, and you're not even going to forgive each other. These, these are things that you can only do when you set your mind on things above. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Um, you know, earlier in the book of Colossians, I got to spend the whole week, actually, most of the week anyway. Uh, so I was reading some different things. And earlier in the book of Colossians, it was interesting to me how, how Paul was instructing them to avoid human teachings. Yeah. And, and the reason that he was instructing them to avoid human teachings is the reality that they are absolutely of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You can take all the human teachings you want, and I think that's why the Catholic Church has such a struggle, is that human teachings don't cut it. It's only in the setting your mind on the things above. It's only on setting your mind on Christ that's going to allow you to stop the indulgence of the flesh. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And verses 16 to 23 go on to say, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Because all those things, uh, all those things like food and drink and, and festivals and Sabbaths and other things that you do, a lot of things God intended for us to enjoy. I remember when Timothy gave a message on eating one time, and he's like, aren't you glad you just don't go up to the gas station and they stick a hose and fill you up? You, you know, you get to eat food. You get to enjoy it. And life was meant to be enjoyed, and, and these human traditions and teachings would have you not be able to enjoy life. So it says, the, uh, it says all these things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, 
referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know, as I, as I was preparing for this message, I, I went into Timothy's library and thank God for it. And, I, you know, a lot of those books in there, I just have a hard, I'll just be honest, I have a hard time. I'm not intellectual enough to understand some of what those people write. But I've always appreciated Calvin. So I grabbed his book and I was reading through there and, and he had this to say and I just thought it was so well said. And, and by the way, he had written this in his commentary on Colossians chapter 3, which is what I'm preaching on. But it all relates back to what I just read out of Colossians chapter 2. And here's what he said. He said, for when we see what God would have us do, we afterwards easily despise the inventions of men. And then he went on to say, and you're going to have to hang in here with me because he has a bigger vocabulary than I do, and he probably has a bigger vocabulary than most of you. He says, uh, what God recommends to us is much more lofty and excellent than what men inculcate. I had never heard that word before. But inculcate means try to instill by persistent instruction. That was very enlightening to me. So, so what God recommends to us is much more lofty and excellent than what men try to instill by persistent instruction. And then he goes on to say, Our alacrity of mind increases for following God so as to disregard men. And here again, there's a word I've never seen before. So I looked it up, and, and alacrity means brisk and cheerful readiness. So if you want to understand what he's saying, he's saying our brisk and cheerful readiness of mind increases for following God so as to disregard men. Paul also, uh, he warns us, he warns us about those who walk as enemies of Christ. And, and we need to realize that there are, some, there are those kind of people. And here's what he has to say in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Notice, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so going back now to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And I know this is a little long. I hope you're hanging in there. And I didn't want it to be, but I didn't want to cut things that were valuable short. I did cut a lot out. If you'll notice, I didn't exegetically go through every bit of the passage we're looking at today. Um, but when I got to this part, I really thought that, that it would be good it would be good for us to think about where it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, the peace of Christ that is to rule in your hearts and cause you to be thankful 
is the peace of Christ that Paul mentions in Ephesians 2, 13 to 16. And I want to read it to us because I think it's important. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know, this, this is our peace. Yeah, that, that we've been reconciled to God by what Jesus did. That's, that's how we... That's how we let the peace of Christ rule in our our hearts. So going back to Colossians 3.16, and we're almost done. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, the word of Christ dwells richly in us in your handout, when we read it, when we meditate on it, and when we obey it. You know, that's when the word of Christ dwells richly in us. So whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to close by just reading this passage now from beginning to end without any interruption. Just, just reading it. And you can follow along with me. I think it's behind me on the screen, or you can read it in your Bible. But, but let, let this passage now strengthen us. Let it challenge us. Let it convict us. Let it encourage us. Let it do all the good that God wants for it to do. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these The wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, including anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, 
forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that, that, that you would help us to more often set our minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. Lord, we would pray that you would help us to put to death everything that is earthly in us. And instead, that we would clothe ourselves with things like compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, that you would help us to be patient, and that you would help us above everything to truly put on love for our neighbor. Help us, uh, help us to be encouraged and rejoice in the reality that, that, one day, that one day you will perfect us, that one day we will be gathered together with you. And so help, help these realities, Lord, to give us the strength and the energy and the, and the courage and, and just all that we need to live lives today that would bring you much glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.